Our scripture readings can be found in 1 John chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with the punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Good morning. You're a bunch of good-looking people. I've seen you before. So when's the last time you had your eyes checked? It's good to gather together to worship the Lord. I'd like to talk about abiding today, and a special welcome to those that are joining us by internet hookup. Abiding is an older term that we don't use very often. It's, a, it's kind of a term that is a little bit archaic. 
So I want to share with you a, a bit of a couple of stories and personal illustrations first to set the context. Then we're going to go to a couple of passages of scripture. And then we're going to make the application. So we're usually we build it linearly. We start here and we move progressively. This way we're doing a definition first by way of a couple of stories. Uh, then a couple of passages of scripture about abiding in Christ. And then where we will ultimately abide together. All right, let's see. It seems like just a few years ago, after we finished seminary, we did an internship for a few months in Colorado, and then we had our first district. In our first district, we spent nine years traveling across 90 miles, four churches that had a combined membership about what we have here. So one quarter, one quarter, one quarter. Put them all together. We were, doing, uh, we were doing fairly well. During that time, we built a church, started a school. And after all of that, uh, they, initially there were two pastors there, abiding in two districts. The conference president, uh, whose name will never be mentioned, Don Snyder, um, <laughs> came by one night and he said, the pastor next to you has taken a call to Illinois. It was about 11 o'clock at night on his way back to the office. He stopped. I already knew what he had in mind before he came through the door. He said, you're inheriting the district next to you. I smiled and said, yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, we worked hard for a couple of years, and I said, as long as I'm doing this, they'll not, they're not going to send anyone else. So after 10 years and some evangelism, I said, it might be time to abide in another place. So I didn't know exactly what to do, but I got a telephone call and they said, you know, this place over here is open and they'd like you to interview. Strangely enough, it was a place where I'd done some internship. So nine or 10 years later, I went back and did 11 years in a district where the median time span for a pastor was a year and a half. And we had a very enjoyable time there. And after 10 years, uh, the conference president said, in a workers meeting, he said, I want all of you to know that some of you have been in your district for eight or nine or 10 years. And uh, you probably have given everything to your church that you have to offer and change is good. I just didn't think he was talking about me. <laughs> so there came a transition and a change point and I got a call from Dan Savino, and this process started in 2000, and I interviewed in three or four churches collectively on one Sabbath, and you invited me to be your pastor here. Now, I don't, you know, I don't recall anything during the interview process about building a church and church plans and all of that. My wife assures me that somebody mentioned it. The Holy Spirit, I didn't hear it. So I was walking across the parking lot and Dean Morford said, when is the building committee going to be meeting? I said, as soon as I know who it is, we'll set a time. So we did that and we had a very pleasurable time together for four years. And then there was another transition point. Southern California Conference said, we'd like you to do a few other things. So I did that for 11 years. And then I said, Lord, you know, this, this 
this has been all good, and, but I miss my wife, and I miss worshiping with her, and I, I'm a bit disconnected. So he said, there's a time, not of leaving, but of transitioning. When you dwell, you need a place to dwell. You need a people to dwell with. And you need a God to dwell in. You catch all of that? It's not about changing or leaving. It's about dwelling and transitioning and abiding. So when you think about Pastor Rofler leaving, let me assure you a couple of things. I may not be here physically with you, but I'll be dwelling with you. Because there's a place in my heart that you'll never leave. There's a place in Karen's heart that you'll never leave. It may be a while in weeks and days and months ahead before we see each other again. But we'll pick up like old friends. You know how that works? Phone rings, how are you doing? Haven't seen you for seven years. Oh, well tell me, how are the kids doing? So we dwell together by the Spirit. We abide in Him. It's a place. It's a people. It's a purpose. What abiding is all about. So I want to thank you, first off, from Karen, who is one of many words at home, but few in public. (laughs) Unless I speak for her and have a lot of things to ask forgiveness for, I will just say thank you. You've uh, you've been an amazing group. Uh, uh, You know, a pastor isn't much good unless there's a people, uh, a congregation to lead. And I'd like to extend a special thanks to Linda Scotto and to Amy Hinkle and to Milton, our board chair, to our elders, And those of you that give of your time and worship week by week, God is blessing this church. I have worked across Southern California Conference, so I know what the other churches look like. And I just have to tell you something, you're a blessed people. I say that because you're a committed people. I say that because you have skills that you have committed to the Lord. And the best days that you have Not only are those days that are behind you with all of their struggles and trials, but those days that are just ahead of you. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm not going to take offense at that at all. The best days of you are just ahead of you. Can you say amen? amen? The best day is today and tomorrow. The best day is having Pastor Rofler in your heart and having your new pastor and welcoming him in the same way that you welcomed Karen and I. So, we must go to scripture for a few minutes today and look at this concept of abiding in him. And let's see. Gentlemen, if you can start the PowerPoint, we'll be fine. As soon as I make sure that my technology is working and my dexterity is good.
All right. John chapter 15. We're going to look. Uh, we're going to look at two pieces to abiding. The first is abiding in Christ, and then the second piece really deals with what abiding is all about. This is a passage in John chapter 15 where Christ uses the illustration, as a branch is connected to the vine, so we are to be connected to Christ. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear forth fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine, no more can you except you abide what? In me. We must be connected to Christ, to abide in Christ. You've seen the branch that's been broken and cut off. It withers. You may have a vine, as we do in Southern California, ivy vine. You break the branch, and you come back a week later. The rest of the vine that's still connected is growing, but that which is broken starts to wither. He who abides, John 15, 5 and 7 says, He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask that what you desire and it shall be done for you. I like that promise, don't you? If we abide in Christ, let me be perfectly clear here. Christ wants to bless us. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have good health. He wants us to have clarity of mind, clarity of purpose purposeful living. But too often, we abide someplace other than in Christ. We get wrapped up in the cares of this world. How am I going to pay my mortgage? What am I going to do with the kids? How is this going to work out? And we take our eyes slowly away from Christ. Oh, I read my Bible a couple of months ago. I heard the sermon last week. What was it about? Hmm. But it was good, and I'm going back next week, but abiding in Him on a continual basis, seeking His will, seeking His purpose, that whatsoever you desire, His righteousness, His Spirit, He will do in and through you. Okay. Got to get this going in the right direction here. We're either all at... You were right, dear. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> okay, can we start from the first one again, guys? Thank you. So we are in John chapter 15. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Uh, John chapter 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be given you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue in my love. It's that goodness and graciousness that Christ gives to us. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be what? Full. Do you ever have too much joy in your life? 
Do you ever sometimes get to the place where you say, Lord, I need a little more joy in my cup? Abide in Christ that your joy might be full. If you wonder how you're going to get through life, go back to Christ and say, Lord, I'm going to just abide in you today, this hour, and my joy will be full. So we see in John chapter 15, the vine and the branches. That connection with Christ is ultimately that which allows Christ's influence to flow through our lives. But you might say, hmm, what is this abiding all about? How, how is it that we can abide? We're going to go from abiding in Christ now to see how we abide already in the Father's heart. It's an amazing thing to me to think that Christ invites me to abide in Him. And I love to do that. But it's great reassurance that I already abide in His heart. Did you catch that? So let me ask you parents. Where do your children abide when they're not in your presence? <laughs> you wonder, don't you? Where are they abiding? What are they up to? What kind of mischief? It's too quiet. I don't hear them. Pretty soon you hear a commotion in the other room. You know what's going on. You open the door to find out what's going on. Abiding. How is it that we can abide and not be in the presence, but be in someone's heart and thought all the time? Now, those of you that have been married more than a few years, I count myself one of those individuals. Uh, I quit measuring our years and started moving into decades. We have just passed the fourth quarter in decades. And we're into uh, the next one. But when I find myself thinking, and I'm away from my wife, I'm thinking, yeah, this is what she would want me to do. Or I'm thinking of her. And I'll come home, she says, you know, I was thinking about you today. I'm going, that's nice. And here's a list of things I want you to do. <laughs> and I say, thank you, dear. I'll be right after those in just a little bit. But when, when you stop and think, if the scripture says, long before we sought God, he was seeking us. It's an incredible thing, isn't it? Do you know where you dwell you dwell in the heart of God already. Before you sought Him, He's seeking you. Now, some of you say, well, yeah, if, if God would only speak to me audibly, then I could hear Him. If I could only see God, then I'd believe Him. If God would only work a miracle, then I would realize that I can trust in Him. Let me ask you, have you ever seen gravity? How many of you believe in gravity? And the rest of you, gravity's working on your arm. You can't lift it up. How many of you believe in air? How many of you can see air? Can't see it. How many of you believe in the love of somebody you love? Can't see love, can you? 
So if God says, you're already abiding in my heart, isn't that an amazing promise of God? So let's look at what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater that is, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I like that, don't you? Let me tell you, when I was younger and somewhat shorter, there would be kids that would like to pick on me. I was slightly taller than most of them by this much. But some of the upper grade kids would like to, on the way home from school, try to pick a fight. And it would go something like this. I'll meet you after school. I'm going, yeah, you will, if you can find me. Uh-uh. I know six ways to go home. You only got one out of six chances to catch me. Mom always said it's better to walk away from a scuffle and a fight than fight. And I followed her advice most of the time. So the conversation would go like this, if you're on the losing end. You just wait till next week. My bigger brother's coming. No, no problem. I got a bigger brother too. No, my brother's bigger than you. Your brother. And you know how that, you know, that playground conversation goes. Who's got the bigger somebody? Greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. Greater is the God we serve than any power in this world. And if we dwell in the heart of God, greater is he than anything you will face today. Face next week. Face next, next month. Face next year. Greater is he in the kingdom of God, God himself, than anything you face. Abiding. Where is it you want to abide? In whose heart do you want to abide? They are the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That which abides in you by the spirit of God is a spirit of truth. Sometimes you wonder, what can I do? I don't have a direct instruction book for this particular situation. How is this, that, how it should it be handled? It is a spirit of truth that abides in you that will guide and lead you day by day. Abiding. Abiding in Christ. Already in the Father's heart. It's that abiding that brings forth the love that we have for each other. For out of a life Filled with the Spirit of God, it flows forth from one to another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth what? Not God. For God is what? God is love. Want to test how much you love God? Do the checklist in your mind. You know that checklist? Oh, yeah. I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my grandparents, I love my parents. I love the neighbor next door and the one down the street. 
But the third one down, I'm not so sure about. And the guy that, you know, got angry with me last week, nah, I'll love him sometime. Now, so, when you do that, start at the bottom of the list and say, okay, God, yeah, hey, you've already got me covered with everybody on top of the list. Let me start at the bottom and realize that you love me so much that you're going to help me reach out everyone that I come in contact with, with your amazing goodness and grace. Is that the way it works? Can you abide in Christ and in the Father's heart without experiencing that love and sharing it with, a, with someone else? That's the abiding spoken of in John 15 and in John 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to what? love one another. This is the place. This is the people. This is the abiding. Abiding. But where does it say we abide in God's heart, you ask? Well, here it is. John 4, 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, because he is in us, because he hath given us his spirit, whosoever shall Confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwells in him. And what does it say? And he and she in God. <coughs> Whoa. I've read that text scores of times. But have you ever just camped out around that text. God is your dwelling place. He dwells in you. We readily say, Lord, come into my life. But we dwell in Him and in His heart. Do you like abiding there? Do you like the fact that he knows you by name. Every care about you. Every situation you face. Does it bring you peace, assurance, and comfort? Does it, does it cause your soul to say, Thank you, Lord. There isn't anything that will come into my life that you won't be there for. I find it a great comfort and guarantee that I can abide in his heart. How about you, friends? Herein is our love made perfect, that you might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in the world. Some of you are not bold. And some of you are very timid. But this is not talking about a boldness that you're going to get up on a street corner and do street preaching. This is about a confidence and a boldness to face life and stand for Christ, to say the word, to speak the word, to love in such ways that people will experience Christ. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loved God loves his brother also. So we have a dwelling place. So we have a God who loves us. So we have a God in whose heart we dwell. 
It's an amazing thing, isn't it, friends? To think that our abiding place is in the heart of God. It's not on the street corner. It's not in the home we live in. It's not even in totality in the place we worship, but in the very presence and the heart of God. And if we allow His Spirit to flow into our lives, out of our lives will flow that love for one another. So we see connecting with Christ, abiding in the Father, takes us to our last place. I'm only going to reference the passages and not read them. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. The first eight verses of those two chapters talks about being in the presence of God, how we will gather in his presence. You little children, you'll come into my presence, a place where there'll be no more curse, a place where there'll be no more death, nor suffering, no more night, for they need can't, neither candle nor light, the light of the sun, for the Lord himself gives light. It is a place where we will see Jesus face to face. So we see Jesus, when he walked on this earth, being the vine. So we see ourselves connecting with him. So we see the Father in heaven, whose heart is open to us, and says, in my heart, you, 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 you are eternally written. I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. It's an amazing place to be, isn't it? I can guarantee you, if you come see Karen, she'll remember you forever. But in another 20 years, if my memory continues to not be as sharp as it is today, I might recognize you and say, yes, help me with the name, please. You're smiling because you find yourself doing that already. But what I can guarantee you is, while we may be absent physically, you will always be in our hearts, as you are always in the Father's heart. So abide in his heart, in his will, in his peace, because that is the place of your dwelling until he comes. May God bless us as we continue to serve him. Our closing hymn is uh, an Adventist classic, um, side by side. Um, and for those who didn't grow up Adventist, such as myself, the words will be up on the screen there. What we would like everyone to do, first, uh, Mrs. Karen, where are you? I know you don't like this. All eh, right, come on up. For the next, we would like you to come up, please. Thank you. And I guess we'll include pastor, too, if Karen's going to come up. <laughs> So what we would like everybody to do is we would like to make a circle around them. So those who can kind of move up and around, we're going to all join hands.
in whatever way that you guys feel comfortable doing. Uh, and uh, Karen, come on up. Pete's, Pete's got a word. Just a short, short uh, thought from the heart that um, as we've had years together, we've abided in board meeting rooms or worship committee rooms or potluck tables. You've had us over to your place. You've been guests at others. We've done white elephant gifts together. And wherever, I want you guys to know how special it's been to have you abiding in our physical presence and always now in our hearts from this day forward. So thank you.
greater than we will all be there. Pray. with one another. We've loved, we've struggled, we've shared, we've carried each other, we've encouraged each other. But Father, we long that when we're around that throne of grace in heaven, that we will be able to gather together just as we are now. So Lord, fill us with your spirit. Abide in us as we abide in your heart. Keep us, Father, in the center of your will, in the hollow of your hands, until that day when we see you face to face. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. One more time.